Sheen. And I'm Dion. Welcome to the In Life Podcast. Where we try to figure out life together. I already received feedback on our last episode. What? All my friends are so loyal. So if you're one of my friends and you're listening, thank you so much. If you're not my friend yet, please email us at, at inlifepodcast.inlifepod at gmail.com and we can become friends. But they were laughing a lot and they want an update on how um, the proposal went. You can just give high level, I feel. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If, I don't... Mm. Dion doesn't know who you are. <laughs> just no, just kidding. I'm who just is this kidding. person asking? It went great. It yeah. actually went exactly as we had talked about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in the last episode, I guess I was listening to the episode that was released last week, um, and just like laughing. Because I totally forgot we had talked about it. And in listening to us talk about it, I was like, wow, this is exactly how it happened. Yeah. Like when I asked you if you're going to cry and you're like exactly the moment I opened the door and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I can't believe it. I'm also excited to just have this as a time capsule for you in the future. Like when you forget how you were talking about it to your friends, other than like what actually happened, I think it'll be nice to come back to this. Right. Maybe I'll show my kids, you know? Oh my gosh. Dion. Okay. Dion, if you're listening to this five years from now, text me. Future Dion. Yeah. Future Dion. Right. Yeah. Um, Yes. It went, it went really well. Um, A lot, a lot of crying. Uh, we both woke up the next morning with like puffy eyelids, uh, all like tears of happiness, but, um, yeah, it was very emotional. It, everything leading up to it was very stressful, Mm. but when I saw her and when we like basically walked through the house and all our memories, honestly, all that is a blur. Like, I don't remember what I said. I, I had like a whole speech and everything, which clearly I forgot, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was all a blur. And I remember talking to her about it and she was actually mentally while I was like down on one knee, giving the speech and everything. She was actually the whole time she just kept saying to herself, pay attention, pay attention. Oh. Don't cry. Pay attention. Yeah. This is important what he has to say. So I don't know if she actually remembers either, because maybe the whole time she just kept thinking, pay attention, pay attention. But I was it the whole speech. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It was great. <laughs> Yay. Congrats, Dion. You can send congratulations at inlifepod at gmail.com if you want. <laughs> we might actually get our um, first emails because of that. Because of this. I hope so. Friends listening yeah everyone else as well strangers to me strangers <laughs> yeah strangers to me but eventual friends right um did you get a haircut also it looks good no i didn't okay it's looking really good there's actually so this actually happens when my hair is very thin mm-hmm. um i don't have a lot of it mm-hmm. unfortunately mm-hmm. and so when it grows longer it oh. falls so it, it looks actually nice. looks like I have less until it starts growing long enough where you see like little Stick spikes. Out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that happen. I think I took a picture of you once. Oh, yeah. that had it feels terrible. But right now it looks nice. For the viewers, it looks like, I don't know, Dion has like 12 inch long hair. He says he doesn't, but he really does have a lot of hair. No, I really don't. Like, <laughs> Oh, no, yeah. It's just looking, it's short, but like clean. I don't know if the listeners even know what I look like, but. I'm yeah, really. Um, have we talked about this? I'm like balding. Yeah, you told me you wanted to rub the parts <laughs> of your scalp to stimulate growth or something. Backed by science. Well, it actually is. Like, if you look at my past pictures, you'll know. Oh, really? Oh, whoa. Yeah. I don't think I've sad. noticed that. I don't. Oh, interesting. Have you actually noticed it in like yes. pictures? Your hairline is. 
yes proceeding yeah oh. like during the whole proposal thing when we were reminiscing oh my god you're we were, like we this just is like... just a chronological view <laughs> <of> the airline <laughs> my yeah. forehead getting bigger i well, mean that was a, to be totally honest that was another reason why you know it was like chop chop my hair is yeah. going you gotta look good during the wedding pictures yeah that's true oh my gosh yeah that's so true well congrats dion um how are you doing how was your week oh i read this um i came across my friend sent me this harvard business review article okay um you know how like they release these things and they're like long form articles that are educational self-help whatever it is yeah i never read those it's just a bunch of fluff to me but this one i actually read the whole thing okay. and it was 80 percent very accurate it talked about how in general the workforce is just fatigued mm. which is interesting i mean it's pretty intuitive but it's interesting because we're not we theoretically should have all this extra time, right? Mm-hmm. We're not commuting, mm-hmm. um, better work-life balance, supposedly. Uh, you don't have to like pretend to be busy all the time at work because you're at home, so you can yeah. be more efficient, all that stuff. And they talked about how what's actually happening is folks are just feeling more tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Partly, yes, because of COVID and just the negativity and the stay at home, the quarantining, but a big part of it is, is actually the lack of stimulation mm. and how, you know, you could only watch Netflix and do work simultaneously for so long. Yeah. You can only stay in the same place that you work and sleep and play for so long. Yeah. Before that work-life divide really starts to blend uh, before like socially you're just, deprived of stimulation from other human beings yeah and they talked about how the whole article was essentially around how um, leaders should lead during these times and they went to some very candid things like you know nobody cares or nobody wants to hear another company message saying something like we can get through this together you know yeah or nobody cares to do another virtual happy hour or another five minute dumb icebreaker question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And all that was just so true. And I think resonates with so many people. I think most people are just like, if you really want to stimulate me, give me time off. Yeah. So that I can get me away from you. Yeah. (laughs) Out in the world. Um, Yeah. They did also say some other things that I didn't particularly agree with, which was like, you know, people are in this um, state of complacency and monotony. And so like now's the time to turn the the heat up, turn the fire up and get people amped and like push people to like do stuff. Mm. And I kind of disagree with that because from what I've heard, a lot of people are both fatigued and overworked like everyone seems Mm -hmm. to be very busy um working more than they used to work and so i just don't think that would go over that well but yeah it was just a very interesting read and i think it really reflected correctly or accurately uh in terms of like how i feel right now yeah one piece that i think I relate to a lot is when I led trivia on Monday, Mm. I led a trivia for like related to the NBA or like basketball generally and sports generally. And I felt like a teacher, like basically the way we do it is like, we'll read out the questions. People have their forms, they enter everything in and then I'll go over the answers. And usually it's a lot of my friends, but this session, it was like some of my friends and some not, and then all confounded by most of the people were not confident in like basketball statistics or basketball facts or sports facts. So I'm like, all right, guys, like who is the player who has a 257 million deal with the Portland trailblazers and nobody said anything. And I was like, 
I feel the pain of like trying to lead a meeting and nobody responding. But at the same time, I am also the person in a meeting who mutes, turns off my video and is just sitting there like, why are we doing this? I think it's different because obviously trivia, like people wanted to come and they're my friends and it's just awkward to talk on Zoom. But it's like an interesting conundrum of as a leader, you are just waiting for one person to participate. But as a participant, you're like, I cannot wait for this to be done and for this leader to stop talking. And so both of your like desires are directly in conflict. Like nobody wants to participate and the leader only wants you to participate. And and then you know that one person who participates and the leader just like laps it up. They're like, oh, thank you. Like, yeah, great point. Like, and even if it's like totally non sequitur, um, they're just like, yep, that's great. Right. Do you think like reflecting on when we were in person in meetings, I felt like some of those dynamics are still in, at play. Some of those dynamics are still like people just like doing Absolutely. work on their computer, computer multitasking and just sitting there and be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was like obviously a little bit more participation. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it definitely existed before. I think the only difference is, well, two differences. One, now, if you aren't on video and if you're in a culture where people don't turn on their videos, I mean, you can get away with a lot. Yeah. You know, like you don't even really need to be at your computer. Yeah. Um, and I would say the other difference is when you're in person, okay, the meetings suck, but... I think a lot of people would give a lot to be able to sit with their peers being bored in yeah. an audience. Or like messaging each other, being yeah. like, did you just you hear know? that? Yeah. Um, I know I would. Yeah. Like, because all of a sudden the meeting ends and then there's like this buzz of energy. It's almost like everyone yeah. wakes up and they start chatting with each other and stuff. And uh, I know. Yeah. Or you see people you haven't seen for like two days or something and you all come to the same meeting. You're like, oh, how are you? I saw you two right. days ago. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Damn. The so, other thing I actually read about recently was um, it was about, oh, I should send you the podcast. This woman talked about like different cultures, work cultures. She wrote this book about Netflix. I should. Remember mm. Did you hear about her? Yeah. She basically talked about how Americans tend to speak a lot in their meetings because we used to have this concept of participation as a value add rather than content as value add. Remember in like high school, you would have be in English class and they're like participation as part of your grade. And so then instead of saying of anything of value, we say like, yeah, just to recap the last three people, like I totally resonate with that and like that's all you say and people from other cultures when they would work with americans they would say like why do they speak so much like why do they just say things for no reason you can still get so much done we could save so much more time if you didn't just sit there and want affirmations from your participants while the leader is speaking and i resonate so much with that because i remember in high school i would feel that like i don't have anything of value to add here if i did i would talk but i don't so why am I getting penalized for not saying the thing this person said right before me again? Re yeah. like it, I just so silly. But I think that's like a lot of how our culture is built off of, you know, like visibility to leadership and like, oh, Roshni said this thing this one time in a meeting. And so now I think of her as like a prominent person of her, right. her class or whatever. It's like right. that's so silly. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of the problems or rather I should say in today's world, I think it further exacerbates the problem where a lot of the times, like the awkward silences, let's call it, or the lack of, the clear lack of participation. To me, a lot of the times that's just due to poor meeting management. Mm -hmm. Um. I think it's important for like a leader to understand his or her audience, mm-hmm. right? And when you're in an all hands and let's say there's 30 people on Zoom in 30 individual rooms, 
even if you had someone who was keen to participate, the coordination of like me speaking up on an open question to the field and not wanting to like interrupt someone or whatever will just lower my likelihood to participate even more. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more important for these people who are managing meetings to just be cognizant of that and seek active participation only when they think it'll actually help. Because I think what they're latching onto is what you're talking about, which is participation means engagement or effort. That's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can help, but that's not always the case. And most of the times in these meetings, you're going to be speaking on a whole broad array of topics. And you need to understand that not everyone cares about everything you're going to talk about. And that's okay. But when for every topic you open it up to the whole field or you expect everyone to have a say or an opinion, like you're inviting that sort of awkwardness. Like I, in meetings that I lead, it's, I mean, granted, a lot of them are more fun oriented. There is none of that awkwardness. Um, I was talking about this with my coworkers where like why virtual happy hours fail? Um, Because they're really, in even in like a regular happy hour, there really is no purpose per se. Yes, it's to build camaraderie, but when you're in person, you're forced to engage because you're in a social setting where it's like, uh, you know, I don't want to stand around by myself while all my coworkers are like seemingly live, lively chats and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll just talk to someone. And then somehow, some way I might find like a mutual interest with someone, but in virtual happy hours, it's the same idea. There's no common reason we're together except build camaraderie. But in this case, it's not that awkward for me to sit in silence and just watch 30 screens exactly yeah um so what i try to do for my sort of social meetings is actually center them around purpose um so what i've done is like instead of happy hours we play games yeah right this way well people join there's no like so who wants to share what we just jump into it and then Throughout the course of the game, people get engaged, people get energized. And if there's like a mini break in between, conversations will just naturally happen because people are already engaged. Yeah, I agree. I also think one of the things you said about, you know, when we're in person and you just like join into a group because people are having lively conversation. I was trying to reflect when I first started our old job and how how I felt when I was an outsider, because I very quickly forgot, like I very quickly forgot how it felt to be an outsider once I was in. Once I was in, I was like, um, I don't remember what it feels like to feel nervous to go to some table at lunch. I don't remember what it feels like to not know Dion. Like Dion will be receptive to me when I talk to him. Whereas in the beginning stages, I would be like, I don't know how to relate to this person or what this person is into or whether they want to be friends, something like that. And I think that that's a really, I'm interested to like extrapolate this to other groups, like not just in group, out group and social settings, but that's probably really telling of how, when I'm in a certain situation or personify a certain like appearance, I, it's hard for me to relate to what it's like to be someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a silly example is I'm, relatively tall for an Indian woman I don't know I don't think about like what is it like to be shorter than me and where is that difficult but my sister is considerably shorter than me she's like I can't reach this thing can you get it can like everybody just asked me to get things in our house and I I, like I just wish that I would it would be easier for me to remember when I was in the out group or yeah when I was in the out group what it felt like so that when I'm in the in-group, it'd be like, oh, this would have like made it a lot easier if this person just said this. Or when I'm out-group eventually again, because it inevitably happens all the time, like you will be in the in-group eventually. It's okay. Or this is like what helped you when you were in the beginning. 
Yeah, I just because now when I think back to all of those in-person things, I just have really great memories. Like, oh, I could talk to literally whoever. And if it felt awkward talking to this person, I'm just going to float over to that person and talk to them. And then that was kind of awkward, but I didn't care. But when you're out group, you're like every single one is like, like that was weird. Like, and now where do I go? And now where do I feel safe? But isn't it interesting that like, let's just take the example of a social setting it feels so awkward at first, right? Like lunchtime, where do I sit? Mm-hmm. And you thinking that like, oh, it would be so great if someone just says like, yo, Dion, come sit with me or let's have lunch. But it's very interesting how once you become comfortable and once you get into this in-group that you call it, how quickly for many people, they then become complacent. Right. And they don't put the effort to like advance or expand that group. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, it, because it's easy because you're having fun. Like your, your mm. mind isn't taken up with the idea of I'm lonely. Nobody thinks I'm cool. Like, mm-hmm. is this the right decision for me to work here? It's like Dion and I are talking about what it would be like if our kids were on drugs. Like, right. yeah, I'm just talking about that. I'm not noticing all the people around me who may potentially be feeling lonely right now because I'm engrossed in this conversation or I'm laughing like yeah something else is preoccupying oh okay okay let's get into this I had a conversation with our one of our mutual friends Biddy about um he's just a very popular person at work and we were trying to think through like what, and I would argue, I think Dion, you were too. I think you withdrew at the end because you didn't want to put in as much effort maybe in like being social at work. But I, I would say when I met you and for like a few years after that, it was definitely, you had a lot of friends at work. What do you think is the common denominator of these types of people? And did you identify as quote unquote popular, maybe not popular, but like well-liked at other parts of your life too? That's a great question. Uh, I would say, I don't think I ever considered myself popular, if that makes sense. Rap, I, I, okay, I'll put it this way. Any perception of that, I think is like highly correlated with how much effort I put in to be social. And so I guess that's like another roundabout way to answer your question where I think that's the common denominator. It's how much a person is willing to put themselves out there that will lead to how quote unquote popular they are, especially like in the workplace, but even in most social settings, Human beings, no matter what the personality type is, no matter if they're introverted or extroverted, human beings are for the most part social creatures and seek some sort of community, whether that's one person, one best friend, or many, many, many groups of friends. So no matter what, like inherently within most humans, like they want some sort of social communication back and forth. Mm -hmm. So when you put yourself out there and you put in the effort to be social yourself, people will latch onto that because they see like opportunity. So I would say, Mm -hmm. for example, like Biddy, he was mainly popular because he wasn't afraid to be who he was not afraid to truly be himself, but he also not afraid to give up his time and his energy and his effort for others. Mm-hmm. And anyone would find that appealing in yeah. a friend, in a colleague and someone to confide in. And so I think like it's directly proportional to that. Um, mm. For me, I just cared a lot about other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. And yes, that waned over time for many, many different reasons. But because I cared so much, I think I put myself out there a lot and made my time available, whether it was to be a buddy 
right? Or to organize things. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, when I was hearing you respond, I almost feel like in, because once I got to college and work, it was so much easier for me to, I think one, be myself, but also like understand what makes people not necessarily popular. Cause I think in college it's a little bit harder to be popular, but what makes you likable and have like friends. And a lot of it is what you're saying. Like you're just willing to put your time out there to hang out with other folks. Like for me, it was being able to be vulnerable or create spaces where people can be vulnerable. And then that was great. But in high school, I really remember being like, this is so enigmatic to me. Like, why are these set of people popular and why are we not? And I don't think I ever had the desire to be popular, but I felt like I couldn't understand why some people rose to the top, quote unquote, and why others didn't. And, and I think it becomes a lot, I mean, this might be a simplification, but when I was in high school, for example, it felt confounded by so many things that seemed kind of toxic. Like, were they pretty? Were they like in my school wealthy? Were they predominantly white? Like that's what became like this pinnacle of our school. And people who do not conform to that, most of them were not popular. There were some exceptions, obviously, but like that's the way I perceived it a little bit. And I never, and also when hearing about them or when talking to them or seeing them now after that, they'd be like, oh my God, like it was toxic or I wasn't myself or like I did all these things I wasn't comfortable with because like the cool kids did it. And then when I think about like work, for example, none of that resonates. So much of it felt a lot more pure. Like, oh, I just want to hang out with you. Like, I just want to check in. How are you doing? Like, how has your first three months at work been? But do you think that's just a complete oversimplification? And is it also because I felt like I was in the in-group at our last company? Like, I did not feel like an out-group and I did not feel like, oh, what is this mystery of like these two account teams having all these like outside work things? Like, what's the mystery of that? I was in it. So I was like, oh, it's so easy. I'm just nice. Like, that's why, <laughs> but definitely not. Like, I don't, I think that's putting too much credit to me. Yeah. And like, there's probably some, some traits of mine that like I noticed in high school also happened yeah. in work. I just didn't know that it was happening. Yeah, I think it's like 50, 50. Yeah. I think you, along with many other people were considerably lucky to be working on accounts that one even had a team. Yeah. Right. You were afforded the opportunity to be working day in and day out with peers that more or less like were similar to you, whether in interest in age in belief, whatever. Whereas many people didn't like, they were just alone or working with no offense. Like, a parent of a new child right who it probably isn't going to spend as much time with them yeah after hours so that was a big part of it I think and I'm I was the same like very lucky in that regard but I think another part of it a huge part of it is just your personality you're a pretty jovial person you seem very um accepting very inviting and interestingly enough like I get the opposite a lot of the times. I think we might've talked about this before, but I think most folks would say observing you, they would characterize you as someone they feel comfortable approaching and saying like, hey, what's up? Let's be friends. Let's hang out. I need help, whatever it is. Yeah. Whereas most people actually tell me that I seem very difficult, very cold, mm -hmm. um, very stern and hard to approach. Interesting. So I think that's all just to say, like, I think the other half of what made you comfortable was because of the fact that you come off a certain way, mm. you know? Okay. I want to challenge your perception of yourself. Okay. Also this question I've been thinking about, I want to do this with you once, not okay. now, but basically like we would have an interaction together and then 
right after we both write down what we remember from our interaction. So like maybe we'd have oh, one of our no. Zoom calls and then we write down and then so much of it will be like, I remember I said this thing. And then I said this, thing. I think this is what, what might be what happens. Like, or the way we perceive the other person, I'd be like, Oh, Dion was so observant that whatever my mic was on, or I don't know, something mm. you were observant about, but then you might perceive it as like, Oh my gosh, like, you felt right. stern and cold right. and right. not inviting something like that. So right. I want to do that another time. I think that'd be fun. But um, I think like it would be interesting your other 50% that you have heard of being cold and stern. I didn't get that because first of all, I don't, I never worked with you. So I didn't have to see you in a situation that could potentially be high stress that maybe those sides would come out or that I would come and ask you for help on something that would speak about my performance. Rather, I only saw you with friends. And mm -hmm. in those scenarios, I saw you like really engage with everybody and laugh a lot and make jokes a lot. And so that is what I think. Like of all the people we sat with in that first year, yeah. I thought you would have been the most inviting. Hmm. For sure. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that is like your it's it's certainly shaped by your experience with me right not working working with me being in a squad with me and i like that because i would for the most part actually agree with most people's assessment of me mm -hmm. outside as in like oh he's kind of hard to approach at first because i'm i'm like that like i actually know that i am like that yeah. and I think it's, I don't know if it has to do with like group harmony in my Asian background or maybe it's just individually who I am, but it's almost like in my head, I talk about this a lot and yet I may not always behave this way where I almost feel like I need permission to be myself before I'm myself. Can you speak about that more? Yeah. Um, when I think generally, whether it's like at work or with friends, people will start out in their default, average, platonic, non-disruptive state, right? Typically, those who start out like guns blazing, most people's first impressions of them are like, ooh, this person is combative, uh, maybe not approachable, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's only when they get comfortable do they start maybe speaking up more. They start cracking jokes, talking about who they are personally. Um, and I think for me, my true personality is someone who's very talkative likes to laugh, really likes to joke, and it's really, really casual. And when it comes to the workplace, for example, I understand that sometimes that's not the best first impression, right? I don't want to go into my first meeting with my skip level and be like, hey, dude, or yo, you know? Um, and so I tend to fall back on a very, like, non- just like, honestly, not memorable type of state. Um, and it's almost like I look for permission to then be who I truly am. And that permission can come in different ways. One is just like comfort with a friend group. Or sometimes it's like a mandate. So for example, like when we were first on the same team, like the same squad, it probably was at some point like, Sean would be like, hey, I could really use your help in coming up with ways to bring the team together. And that would be like the man, the okay to say, okay, well, I know what people like and I know what people um, want, to, want to experience in a workplace. So let me just bring out my true self now. You know, whereas maybe if you weren't, if we weren't working together or we weren't on the same squad, I'd feel like, I need to get comfortable with this larger social group first be, before I can truly be myself. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel in friend groups? Like outside of, because in the work connotation, there's a lot more like 
this could impact my performance and this is right. a job ultimately this is not a social engagement yeah. what do you feel in friend groups do you feel the same thing that permission is needed that's really hard for me to say only because and i'm kind of digressing here but like coming out of covid especially in a new job i don't know if i'll like know how to make friends again yeah you know yeah uh so i don't actually remember the like i don't remember how it feels the last time to make and put in the effort to make a friend group yeah um but i will say it's probably somewhat of the same where i default into a very like I don't know, just boring, whatever, not me. And then very quickly, if I feel comfortable, I'll like open it. up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think that the point that I got to know you was in your comfort, like you were in comfort group and right. I was like the outsider. Right. So I think it was a lot easier to know like this is what Dion's about. And then I could right. just connect on that. Although I don't really remember how we became good friends, but mm. I do think that's like, that was beneficial because I could have easily fallen into the thing of like, wow, he's intimidating and has been here for so many years and like, doesn't want to talk to any of the new people. The plebs. The plebs. I'm um, also trying to reflect on my new friends that I've made, but well, who are they? Right. Are you listening? Let me know. <laughs> um. I didn't want to go back to your point around like, oh, when we were in high school, middle school, yeah. when you're yeah. kids and just like there's popular people. Why are they popular? Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to a lack of understanding and then confidence in your self-identity. That's basically mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. When you're like in middle school and high school, I mean, you're freaking prepubescent or yeah. postpubescent teen. And the questions are always like, should I be like this? Should I do this? I want to look like that. I want to be like that, act like that, do this thing. And not like, this is who I am, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually had this thought while you were talking about how this kind of ties into our conversation around MBA role players. Oh, bring it back. Where now in a young adulthood, yeah, you might not know like what you want to do with your life, but I think most people have a good sense of who they are, what they enjoy doing, what they don't. And they have the confidence in that. And that then provides them the peace of mind because now you're not trying to make friends with everyone. You're not trying to get into the in crowd everywhere. Right. But more like, a, a peace of mind that you will just hopefully make friends and gravitate towards those who are similar to you. And then like, that is your in crowd. And that's yeah. all. Or for example, some of the new friends I would have made would have been a referral program for my other friends who are like, I'm friends with right. person A, person A is friends with person B. Like Roshni, hang out with person B. I feel like you all will get along. Right. Then it's like, amazing. Like we already have it in. I, 100% agree but it's like because yeah. of that confidence in who you are and your abilities and your personality that it's almost like you know your place in society yeah you know? like you know where you fit in yeah. and I think how that ties into like NBA role players is they just understand where they're at and just because I'm a role player and not making all the shots on the basketball court doesn't mean that I can't affect what we do in the locker room, the morale or the team culture. In fact, what you typically find is the role players are the ones that are the leaders in the locker room. Mm. They often become the best coaches because they understand the group dynamics and where they fit in aside from playing basketball. Yeah. So, um, also, I'm not sure if you watched the game last night and also for people listening, this is definitely not the game last night, but, um, the Sixers played the Warriors last night and I thought we would get hundred percent cream because Sixers are a first in the East right now and Warriors are 
ninth in the West now. And we were beating them for like third quarter. First half, we lost by 24 points. We're down by 24 points, something like that. Then we make this comeback in third quarter. We were beating them for probably like good five minutes. Then we lost by 10 points in the fourth. But at the end of the third, we were leading. Can you believe that? And Steph was injured. Yeah. Steph wasn't He had like a butt contusion. Yeah, a tailbone, something. He like slammed down on some stairs. Anyways, it was wild. Ah, You watched? Okay, so we watched the first half, and then me and my family were like, man, this is not going well. We're not going to watch anymore. So we all retired to our room. So then my sister checked the score, and she's like, we're winning. And so we all come out of our rooms, come downstairs, and watch. And then it was really sad at the end. But, you know, I think big ups to them for hustling that hard without Steph being there. They played so well. Jordan Poole hitting threes. I had no idea who he was until, like, I know. (sighs) until like a month ago he started playing uh damian lee actually played really well do you know damian lee is steph curry's brother-in-law uh yes i did know this yeah there's a lot of like weird like did we talk about this how steph's little brother seth who's on the sixers is he seth curry yeah he's on the sixers yeah he got traded um he's on I thought you were an NBA fan. Um, Seth is married to the daughter of the head coach of the Sixers now. Yeah, Doc. Doc Rivers. No. Yeah. So, like, Doc is coaching his son-in-law. Son-in-law. Yeah. Oh, that's some dynamic I do not want to be a part of. Yeah. Also, um, Dwight Howard is on the Sixers now. He got traded from the Lakers. Right, yeah what that's so crazy okay the other big thing i want to talk to you about i had this realization a little while ago um i was listening to this podcast probably a podcast about it's called in life i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) i legit almost spit out my water all over the computer Oh my God, one of my friends said, like, you should add that. sound effects. She said, she said, why don't you add some like zing sound effects when you make some jokes? And I said, if you record the zing with your own voice, I will throw it in there. So this might have some zings. Yeah. Um, anyways, they talked about, uh, let me give some context. Like relationships, parent-child relationships, like partner relationships, etc. And this concept of like vulnerability being difficult and a sign of weakness. But she framed this thing of the more willing you are to be a burden, quote unquote, the more chances you give for someone else to show their love for you. Mm. And so the whole, yeah, it blew my mind. Because a lot of my close friends will say something similar to me of like, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to like tell you all these things and have you hold them and all every time time after time i'm like this is not a burden and this is what i want to do for you this is how i can show you my love and it was such a great way to frame it and not only for me to say that to someone who i really care about but also for me to live that you know like for example when i talk to some of my friends i tend to tell them something and it have it be kind of wrapped up at the end like i'm having some strife with my job and career but this is what I'm going to do about it and this is the next step and you know I'll be okay instead of just being like I'm having a lot of strife in my career and I ha- I don't have any like solutions about it and not I'm not really in the mood for solutioning I just want to tell you this thing and being like comfortable with just saying that without it being a sign of weakness or like this person doesn't have their shit together etc um and so I told it to a few folks and it one also reminded me of like the role of being caretaker versus the person taking care of taken care of in a relationship because I think I'm really used to being caretaker and I need to be more comfortable with being taken care of and I think this like little sentence speaks to that a lot like if I constantly want to be the caretaker I'm never giving opportunities for the other person to show their care for me by being like I can't solve this thing by myself can you help me um, and that furthers that like burden narrative on the other side. Unless you end up with someone who wants to be taken care of. Yeah. But I also think there's probably some, I think I'd get a little bit tired of not being taken care of. 
like I need some care. I'm just yeah. not good at showing that I need it. Yeah. Interesting. What, what are your love languages? Um, quality time, acts of service and physical touch. I think acts of service is really high for me. Interesting. Mm. And that's both like giving and receiving. Uh, acts of service is giving and receiving. I think the others are not all. But then it, to your point earlier, how does someone give you an act of service if you've theoretically done the law? How do they give me an act of service if I... If you've, if you've like done oh, all of it, do, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think like acts of service kind of blends with quality time where like a huge act of service for me is when someone just listens to me attentively and like oh. they don't need to solve anything for me. They just say like, this time is yours, which is partially quality time. It's not really like, let me do the dishes. I think those are some nice things. Like I do enjoy yeah. that when they just do the dishes and I don't have to say anything or yeah. they like, mm -hmm. you know, are just thoughtful. But in, in the past when I've just had the thoughtful things happen and not the other things happen, I'm like, why you bought me this gift? Like, why couldn't you just listen to what I had to say? Something like that. Would you say you're a good listener? Yeah, I think so. Would you? Oh, uh, no, I'm horrible. I know. We've talked about that. Oh, right. Although right. I've never noticed it myself, to be honest. So that exercise you were talking about around like, we're, we'll both have an interaction and then we'll write down what we remember. I guarantee, like you made the example of like, oh yeah, he mentioned how my mic was right there. I totally forgot I said that or that that happened. I just, what I'll probably write down is how I felt or like what the emotional aura was and yeah. less about what we talked about. Which is cool in and of itself, you know? Like that would be different than how I probably would have coded the thing, right. the interaction. Awesome. I really think we should try it and yeah, then like talk about what we observed in the whole. In the whole yeah, thing. I, I, agree. I think it's like a method for when people are fighting or something. <laughs> a marital dispute <laughs> like when you're disputing with someone oh, oh that is you like write it down and yeah that like, is this oh, is what i heard my. you say <laughs> oh my god but i don't want to do that no notes you just have to do the full thing we just hang out and then after that we're like this is what i remember from the experience yeah um oh. anyways do you resonate with that burden because the reason oh, i bring it up with you oh did you have i never you? addressed that yeah yeah <laughs> no i <laughs> It's okay. But though I want to tell you why I told you. First, I think it's interesting. Second, I know you like to process things internally. And so mm. how does it manifest for you to be taken care of? Or do you, is that ever something you want? So I think the interesting thing, there's like two, there's probably way more, but there's almost like two ways someone can take care of a person, in my opinion, right? One is the physical things, like you mentioned, washing the dishes, you know, tidying the house, picking up food, I don't know, whatever, some like physical act of service. The other is, yeah, I think you made the example of like some strife at work or finding a job or whatever. I think when it comes to like the thought stuff, the thought exercises, uh, I both don't need it, nor do I know if I would feel loved because of it. So I think the block or the thing to consider for me there is not will, um, will I feel like someone loves me more? because they helped me through a tough problem, but more of do they need to do it to show me love? Does that make sense? It might be a little confusing. I think I get it. So let's say for me to show you love, I need to do this. Like I need to say, talk you through a tough problem, yeah. but you to receive love do not need that. You Correct. just say, I just need to, 
I don't even need to talk to you about the problem. It's in my head. Right. So in the case, like, for example, let's use Kathleen. In the case that she would want to show you love with the talking through the problem, you would talk through the problem. Is that what you're telling me? I would force myself to yeah, I try and talk through the problem, uh-huh. even though I likely, in all honesty, would not get much from it. Got it. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. So you're just giving, in that scenario, you'd be giving love to Kathleen if that's the way she would want to. Ooh. Right? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's almost like a way for me to show her love. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that's what blew my mind. That's what blew my mind. Because I was like, I thought it was just about taking care of other people. And then it was like, oh, if I do this, I give other opportunities for people to show me love. And that's so powerful. Yeah. That being said, though, like, I think that is completely different from the physical stuff. Yeah. Right. So I think like a great, not a great, but a very common version of this is when there is like a real hardship or a death in the family or something like that. People come over, you always see this in the movies and stuff and they bring food. Yeah. Right. Um, and a lot of times it's like, oh, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have none of that, you know. I have no problems with that. Like, I'll, I think I will gladly welcome it. And the same as you, is like, if someone wanted to do the dishes, I would love it. Um, yeah. So I wonder what drives that distinction. I'm also curious for you, because it's so foreign to me to process everything internally. Like, <laughs> when you make close friends, for example, when you have all your close friends, like, why are they your close friends? What about them makes them your close friends? Ooh, that's a hard-hitting question. I think it's a one, not a one-way street, but I think I enjoy getting people to talk about problems. Yeah. And helping them think through it. But rarely do I talk about Rarely do I look to others to help me think through my problems. I'll talk about them if people ask, especially if it's like it relates to a conversation or a problem they're having. And I can provide some way to empathize, but I rarely look to others to solve it. Does that make sense? So, yeah. And also I think close friends also gets complicated with like, I've known this person for this long and we went through this formative time of our lives together. But what about, we'll use example of work. Like for you to get close to someone at work, I think a lot of people sought your advice, but I don't think you were equally close to every single one of those people. What would have been the difference? Because I think it'd be a simplification to just say, well, Roshni came to me a lot more for advice. Like, I don't really think that happened as, it wasn't like necessarily frequency. There's probably some other aspects there too, no? Hmm. Then it might be just like personality and et cetera. No, yeah, that's a that's a good question. Because you have to be getting something from our interaction. I don't know what it is. I know when I interact, it's like, oh, we talk through these interesting things and mm-hmm. sometimes it helps me solve this problem. But for my closest friends, it's the most like intense problems that they're having. That's when I know like, oh, this is my close friend because they are talking to me about this difficult thing and I would talk to them about that same difficult thing. But it doesn't, that may not have to be the same for you. I'm just curious, like, right. what then makes it like, yep, this is the per- like a really close person to me. Uh, Frank. Oh, my gosh. Interesting. Are you about to send me down like some quarter life <laughs> crisis? I don't know. That's a great question. Yeah, think on it. So is that the defining feature for you? Like the ability or the comfort to talk through the the deepest of issues? I think it's a huge one. And I also think I'm really sensitive to whether it's two ways or not. Because for me, it has happened very frequently that I'm the person that they will talk to, but I know I don't want to talk to them about the same type of thing. Like that happened to me a lot in college. So. So when I saw that they would talk to me about something difficult and I felt comfortable talking to them about a very similar topic, I was like, oh, this is someone I trust and I can be vulnerable with. And that 
is why they're someone I want to keep in my life for however long. So in the cases where someone comes to you frequently, but you don't have the same feelings, do you feel bad? Like, do you try to rebuff them so that they don't think, oh, Roshni's my close friend? No. <laughs> and that's where I would go into all, like, I would get into a lot of friendships where it was super one-sided. And that's where I came to this thesis of my life that everyone just wants <laughs> to be listened to. Like everyone just wants to be listened to. Everyone just wants to talk about their own things, which is yeah. fine. I have, I later realized I have a finite amount of resources to do that. But right. in the beginning, I would just be like, sure, just lay it on me. And I just listen and be like asking some follow-up questions. And then Many times people say, like, I've never talked to anyone about that. And then I'd say, oh, my gosh, like, thank you for telling me, like, just you can reach out to me whenever. And then now, after I've been out of college for like three plus years, I don't talk to those people anymore, which I mean, maybe I was just for that time, you know, Mm. but it would often happen that they would say Roshni is a close friend of mine. And I would say (laughs) nothing. (laughs) Wow, that's like basically the equivalent of saying I love you to someone and them yes. saying thank you <laughs> or like I love spending time with you rough yeah so if you're one of those people oh god send me an email in like, I'm listening, like, I'm listening. <laughs> now it's they're listening to my story so uh, you know how the turntables yeah uh side note I downloaded Instagram the other day Whoa. Whoa. How's that? Uh, it's like so different than what I remember. Oh, just for context, for those who don't know me, I like got off social media for like the past couple of years. I had like an account. I have a Facebook account and Instagram. Well, it's the same thing, right? Or I don't, whatever. Yeah, parents, child. Um, I was very late to the game. Like I don't have a Snapchat. I don't have a TikTok. I don't have a yeah. MySpace. I didn't have any of that crap. Um, anyways, and I re-downloaded it the other day because whatever, Kathleen and I are thinking of starting a little cheesecake business. Don't worry. We can get to that later. Um, in the podcast. Anyways, it's so different. There's all this new stuff. I didn't know how to send a DM. It was really embarrassing. <laughs> it was really embarrassing. I'm like, Did you have like 25 unreads from Franny? Oh, yeah. From like. 104 weeks ago because it literally says weeks i think oh interesting awkward but i wanted to send something really funny to my friend and i was like how the heck do i do this wait swiping every word i couldn't figure it out so do you like it what do you feel about it i mean it's just picture i don't get getting addicted no 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 i don't get the um the reels i don't know anything about instagram i'll be real i don't know isn't that the most popular yeah it is i have one account that franny made for me and it's called (laughs) meme gang you know the vibes and he only follows meme accounts um and i access it maybe two times a week for less than five minutes each time i don't even five minutes seems so long i don't even access it for five minutes to just open the dms from franny (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i just don't i don't know i don't understand yeah you know we got in late which is great because we can't get addicted now not all of our friends are just like at roshni whatever yeah i'm really worried about the next maybe the next generation mm. i was like i was at the dentist this past weekend mm. for those that are still for some reason listening y'all can just tune out now if you want it's not a big deal uh, i was at the dentist this weekend and I hadn't seen my dentist for like a year and a half. So we were just catching up real lively, good conversations. We suddenly came across, oh, do you know what highlights magazines are? Yes. Those like kids ones. Yeah. They have and them in the doctor's office. All right? the time. They have like those cool puzzles where it's like spot the differences. Yeah. I love that. Oh yeah. my God. I love the crap out of that. Anyways, she didn't have any because she's but- like, we're not, we're not, we're not allowed to. I, I would always go sit, wait in the lobby and do the highlights. Yeah. Um, but she didn't have it this time because of COVID. She's like, we're just reducing things that come into contact with multiple people. Yeah, so, and a, apparently a lot of doctor places are doing this. Yeah. So it sucks for highlights. But 
she what we were talking about it and she was like yeah well i didn't know like you cared about it so much like i'll make sure we have it in the office next time you come I'm like oh that's so kind of you she's like yeah they're just not really used that much i'm like what do you mean what when like kids come in what do they do and she's like oh they're just on their ipads mm-hmm. ipad ipad not even iphone ipad Again. and they're just like watching paw patrol or whatever or peppa the pig about the pig yeah dang and i was just like rest in peace to their attention span honestly oh my god yeah and she's like oh and sometimes when they're in the chair getting worked on we'll put like something on oh that's right like right above them so they can and we'll give them headphones and i'm just like look i get it you know the kids are growing up nowadays and they're very socially conscious they're better at mental health and awareness but like how are their socialization skills how is it healthy for them to be in direct contact with someone but be wearing giant ear noise canceling headphones staring at peppa the pig yeah let me okay on the same note let me hit you with another thing i recently learned um a lot of juniors and seniors in high school now are saying no i don't want to go to college because I'm able to do everything from home already. Like, why would I need to leave home to go to college? Like, I don't really need to do that. I can just log into Zoom. And you know, when we've become, I could imagine when I'm like 16, 17, 18, like I'm kind of scared of being on my own. I never felt the resentment of like, I hate my hometown. I was like, you know, it's not that bad. Like, whatever. (sighs) A lot of them are feeling the same way and saying like, I'll just stay at home. Like, I don't need to go to college. And I'm like, there's so many things you don't even know that you would want like there's there's so many things you don't even know that you would want to experience but what's happening now is because of covid they're just getting so used to being in this screen and like i've coped like i can play games with my friends i don't need them to live with me like also i have my own room now like why would i go into a triple with like two people i don't know at all and it's just sad dude it's so sad. I don't know I don't even know what to say because i can't be like you know you'll never get the opportunity to like spend hours and hours on end in a dorm room with someone you don't really know and then know them really well later and then maybe become really close friends like they will not get the opportunity i know what you should do what you should show them this video i'll send it to you after this okay tell the viewers what this video or listeners what this video is so like japan first of all sociologically japan as a culture is extremely interesting and there have been so many studies based off of japanese culture because a lot of people say um sociologically speaking japan like represents one glimpse into the future of what the world society can be like because there are so many things that happen there before they happen here and what you just described is a very, very, very mild version of this sociological phenomenon in Japan called hikomori or something. I need to look it up. But it's essentially what you're describing, where young adolescents decide to live a life as a hermit, essentially, a recluse. And they, a lot of times it's like they stay at home in their parents' home in their room. Um, They don't go out. And they still don't get, they play games online. They chat with people and stuff, but they don't go to the outside world and socialize. Yeah. Part of it is I'm sure like social anxiety. Part of it is like a fear of not wanting that awkward encounter where you're like a freshman and you're like in a triple with two other people that you like all that stuff, but they do that. And they're, I'm sure deep down inside, they freaking hate it, but they're content like this is like yeah. why I go outside when I have everything here I'm right like, here on the screen and some of the most more intense ones like they don't even come out of their room like the parents that they live with don't even see them unless it's meal time oh, and sometimes you just grab the food and go back in the room and it's like this this is not like you know 10 people a crazy weird documentary of like weirdos no offense sorry I shouldn't have said weirdos um this is like a phenomenon that is growing amongst young adolescents in Japan. Wow. So I should send it to you. Please, you because it's, it it's like, yeah, yeah. It, because it is the thing of how am I going to describe what it's like to live in a dorm? And it is, yeah, kind of uncomfortable and gross, but it's also 
a great Simple. experience. Right. How do you describe that? I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. But you also can't video. blame them. Like you can't. I mean, now. yeah, you can't. And I also get the financial aspect. Like there's so many also other factors of why you would choose to do that. And I get that. But what I was hearing was, why do I need to make friends? Mm. Like, and I can do school through Zoom. Like I literally can do the whole, I don't need to pay for dorm. I don't need to do any of that. And I was like, you make good points. It's valid points. I'm just trying to point to this ambiguous thing of socializing and being uncomfortable and trying new things and being around people who you don't agree with. And it's hard to make a case for that without having experienced it. Like you and I will know like, oh, you know, that weird experience of being in a triple and this person is like leaving their fungus cup everywhere. And you're like, I think I'm dying (laughs) because I have micro whatever fungus in my lungs that it it affects me to this day. Like you and I will get that, you know. <laughs> Gross. Um. Anyway, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, what a wild conversation. Huh? Yeah, I don't even know. Like, let's understand what, what the we... title of this video, this one, is going to be because we, we talk about a lot. Life. 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 <laughs> in life. Life in life. <laughs> All right, dude. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya. If you liked what you heard, send us an email at inlifepod at gmail.com for a question you'd like us to discuss. Thanks for listening.